Boxing is a sport that is that it's a pretty old sport. Um and it's been around for you know, it's been around for a long time and it's you know seen as very controversial and I think it you know, I think it'll be around for a long time to come. So here's here's what happened. Um man, this is this is this is unfortunate. And I may sound apathetic here, but just just stick with me, okay? Um this is from ESPN by Dan Raphael and Steve Kim. Uh, boxer Dadashev dies from Friday Friday fight injuries. Junior welterweight Maxim Dadashev died Tuesday morning as a result of brain injuries he suffered during an 11th round knockout loss to to Subrio Matthias on Friday at the MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Dadashev was 28. His strength and conditioning coach and trainer Buddy McGirt confirmed Dadashev's death. His strength and conditioning coach, his name is Janusuvicius, I don't know, had been with Dadashev at UM Prince George's Hospital Center in Chevrolet, Maryland since he was taken there after the fight. It just makes you realize what type of sport we're in, man, McGirt told ESPN. He did everything right in training. No problems, no nothing. My mind is like really running crazy right now. Like, what could I have done differently? But at the end of the day, everything was fine in training. He seemed okay. He he was ready. But it's the sport that we're in. It just takes one punch, man. A hospital spokeswoman issued a statement on behalf of Dadashev's widow, Elisaveta Apushkina, Apushkina, who made her way from Russia to the hospital in Washington in the Washington D.C. suburbs Monday night. It is with great sadness that I confirm the passing of my husband, Maxim Dadashev, she said. He was a very kind person who fought until the very end. Our son will continue to be raised by continue to be raised to be a great man like his father. Lastly, I would like to thank everyone that cared for Maxim during his final days. I said everyone please respect our privacy during this very difficult time. Dadashev, whose purse was seventy five thousand plus his training expensive expenses face Matthias in a 140 pound world title elimination fight for the right to become the mandatory challenger for the belt held by Josh Tyler. Maxime was a terrific young man, top ranked chairman Bob Arum, Dadashev's promoter said in a statement. We are all saddened and affected by his untimely death. ESPN, which streamed the bout on ESPN Plus, also issued a statement. Our heartfelt thoughts are with Dadashev's family, friends, trainers, and the team at top rank. The statement said. McGirt lauded Dadashev's dedication to the sport. Great, great guy. He was a trainer's dream, McGirt said. If I had two more guys like him, I wouldn't need anybody else because he was truly dedicated to the sport. Dadashev's manor, manager, Igis Klimas. And if I'm mispronouncing names, I seriously do apologize. These, these people are Russian. And most of these people are Russian. And it's just, you know, it's these aren't. 
you know, American names like Bob or Cindy or things like that. So I do apologize if I'm butchering your name. Dottershare's manager, Igis Klemis, posted a tribute to the boxer via his Instagram page. As you can, here's, here's, here's what the post says. As you can see, he didn't leave us. He always will be in our hearts and memory as strong, very, dis- very disciplined, very dedicated, true champion. He lived with one dream, to become a champion. In my opinion, he still and always will be one. Hey, Max, just stay there and wait for us. R.I.P. The fight was grueling, and Matthias dominated. He landed numerous powerful blows to the body and head. To the head and body. Matthias was ahead 109 to 100, 108 to 101, and 107 102 on the scoreboards following the 11th round when McGirt stopped the fight with Dadashev on the stool in a dramatic scene. After the round, McGirt loudly told Dadashev, I'm going to stop it, Max. Max, you're getting hit too much. Dadashev shook his head to indicate that he did not want the fight stopped, but McGirt kept at it. Please, Max, please, let me do this, okay? Okay? Look at me. Please. Dadashev shook his head again, and McGirt said, If I don't, the referee's going to do it. Come on, Max, please. McGirt didn't wait for another signal from Dadashev. That's it, Doc, he told the ringside physician. Then he turned to referee Kenny Chevalier. That's it. McGirt said he thought about throwing the towel in the ninth round, but he knew he had, but he knew he had to stop it after the 11th. I saw him fading, and when he came back to the corner after the 11th round, my mind was already made up, McGirt said. I was just asking him out of respect, but my mind was made up. I wasn't going to let him go out there. Dadashev, who was 13-1 with 11 knockouts from St. Petersburg, Russia, and based in Oxnard, California, needed help leaving the ring. He collapsed before making it to the dressing room and began vomiting. He was taken from the arena on a stretcher and was transported by ambulance to the hospital, where he underwent emergency brain surgery for two hours for a subdural hematoma, bleeding of the brain. Man. Doctors hoped to relieve pressure on the right side of his brain, where most of the damage was, with the surgery and place him in a medically induced coma to allow time for brain swelling to subside. Dadashev, who began boxing at age 10, keep that in mind, he was he started at age 10, was a promising prospect. He was ranked number 10 on the ESPN top prospect list at the end of 2017 following a standout amateur career in which he went 281-20 and, and was a silver medalist at the 2008 World Junior Championships. He claimed a silver medal at the 2013 Russian Amateur Championships and bronze medals at the same tournament in 2010 and 2012. Managed by Klimas, who handled such standouts as a bunch of these other guys, Dadashev relocated to, to SoCal to pursue his professional career. He turned pro in April 2016 and eventually signed with top rank. Dadashev began to make a name for himself in 2018 with back-to-back victories in his two most notable fights, a 10th round knockout of former lightweight titleist Darylis Perez in June and a 10-round unanimous decision over former lightweight titleist Antonio DeMarco in October. Dadashev knocked out journeyman Ricky Sismundo in the fourth round on March 23rd to set himself up for the world title eliminator against Matthias, who was 14-0 with 14 knockouts and was 27 of Puerto Rico. So that was the entire article. I would like, as I said earlier, I'd like to give my send my condolences to the family. Um, but here's, here's what I'm saying. He started boxing at the age of 10. Okay. 
it's not... It's the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's it's very, it's very unfortunate. Like right here, this quote says, he seemed okay. He was ready, but it's the sport that we're in. It just takes one punch, man. It can take one punch. But see, here's the thing. Boxing is a sport. Should it be banned? Absolutely not. And here here's one of the reasons, and this word's going to be controversial, People are going to, you know, I can't feel bad for Maxim Dadashev. It's it's unfortunate what happened, but I don't feel bad. Here's why. He did this, he, this is a career he chose. He was not forced into this. No one put a gun to his head. No one, you know, no one planted a bomb in his head and said, you know, okay, now I have, you know, I control what you do. I want you to box for a living. Or else I'm going to blow your head off. That's not what happened. He chose his career. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he was passionate about. He pursued his passion. And he he was, you know, he was pretty good. Uh, you know, from, from what I can tell. I, I'm not a big boxing fan. I'm not a big UFC fan. But I do, you know, I do keep up fairly decently. Okay? But I understand that boxing is a very brutal sport. Boxing is one of those things. Here's the goal of it. Person A gets into a person A and person B get into the ring. What is person A's objective? Person A's objective is to inflict as much damage on person B as they can while simultaneously minimizing the amount of damage they take from person B. And what is person B's objective? Their objective is to maximize the amount of damage that they inflict on person A and uh, minimize the amount of damage they receive from person A. That's the goal of the sport. The goal is to hurt the person across from you as much as possible. Humans, Humans were not made... We were not made to get hit in the head. Okay, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't have, you know, a thick skull. We don't have, you know, three, you know, we don't have like three skulls or anything like that. Humans, humans were not designed for this. So I can't feel bad because this is what he did. This is very unfortunate. Um, but I know, I know people who would look at this and they would say, okay, this is why we have to ban boxing. No, this is not why we need to ban boxing. These people willingly choose these careers. These these careers can be they. This is the key word. Can be very rewarding. Can be. Okay, they can be, but usually it's very very hard. There's only there's a lot of boxers in the world. A lot of them. Not many are famous and rich. Okay. This is a sport where, you know, you retire, your life is different. You know, I I went onto this website called howtheyplay.com. And it has a list of, the title is called, Arguments for and Against Banning Boxing. Okay, and here are the arguments 
for here are the arguments to ban boxing. Okay, the sport is barbaric and no better than an organized physical assault, which would be illegal in any other context. The fact that the participants are taking part voluntarily is irrelevant. In some senses, boxing resembles dueling, which was a normal part of life for many years, but is now banned. Okay, that was that was argument number one. Argument number two, there are injuries that occur accidentally in other sports, but in boxing, causing a head injury in the form of a knockout to your opponent is actually one of the main objectives. Yes. Three, although deaths that occur during fights are rare, many doctors believe that boxing should be banned because of the eye and brain injuries that can be caused by repeated punches to the head. These injuries may go unnoticed at the time, but cause, but cause the boxer serious problems in later life. You know, if you looked at Muhammad Ali, he looked a mess when you know after he retired. You you know, he you know, you talk about, you know, oh, I'm the greatest in the world. But for the rest of your life, you know, you're sitting there, you're vibrating, you're shaking, and I'm not trying to make fun of him. But th- that's what he was doing, you know, his mind was going and he he was just he was just he just he was just existing. And that is a terrible terrible state to be in. Muhammad Ali had this quote. This is according to the website. Boxing is a lot of white men watching two black men beat each other up. That's by Muhammad Ali. I don't know if he actually said that. That's just on that's just on the website. Okay. Reason number four. Professional boxing glamorizes violence and the concept of becoming rich and famous through physical aggression. This sends children especially the entire the entirely wrong message. Okay. Reason five. Although boxing may appear to offer a quick and easy route to riches, it is in fact a poor choice. Apart from the very real health risks, boxers are commonly exploited economically and even the most successful ones can often end up penniless. Okay, so those are those are some pretty interesting reasons. Alright, so it talks about how it's, you know, barbaric. And it says that the fact that the participants are taking part voluntarily is irrelevant. Okay, that I disagree with. It's not irrelevant. If these two, if these two people were forced, you know, forced against their will, and they were told, you know, they had the options of having a choice. Uh, a, okay, option A, you go in there and you try to, be, you try to beat the other person to a pulp, or B, we kill your family. Okay, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here. These these individuals, these men, these women, they are doing this voluntarily. What are their reasons? Some want to become rich. Some want to become famous. Some people just want to fight. I, you know, some people just, you know, they want to do it for the fitness. There are many there are many reasons that they do, but at the end of the day, they do it willingly. This is not against their will. So when they say it's irrelevant, that I I just I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that. Professional boxing glamorizes violence and the concept of becoming rich and famous through physical aggression. This sends children the entirely, especially the entirely wrong message. You know, when I was younger and I and I would see boxing and you know things like that and see fights. 
Um, I never watched WWE. I thought it was, I think it's, you know, pretty stupid. But, you know, when I would see fights, I would just look at him and I, you know, it kind of, it was, it was interesting to me. And I was like, wow, these guys, you know, these people are just going at it. And I was like, that's kind of cool. But I was like, that seems kind of stupid as well because you're training, you know, you know, you, you spend months preparing to get hit and hit and hit. And it's just, you do so much work. And I, like, I understood this as a kid. I didn't understand the full concept and the full grasp. But I was like, I was like, okay, some of them are rich. But I was like, most aren't. So I don't, I don't think kids are that ignorant in, in that case. And the health risks are very real. That's why the money that they can get is astounding. That's why they can get these giant purses. When you know you're at the you're at the top levels of fighting, these guys under these guys and girls they understand exactly what they're getting into. They sign a contract. They you know they watch boxing. They hear stories. You know. You know they die in their you know die in their forties. Friends die in their fifties. You know you start you 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 wake up and you're thirty and you can't talk. You know you you you're having strokes. You're having brain hemorrhages. You're having all types of health problems. They, these people know they're not ignorant of these things. It's not like it's not like they start doing this and then they realize, oh, these you know these dangers exist. They know exactly what they're getting into. They're exploited economically. Well, when you're con- when you're consistently bashed in the head and in the body. Your body and your brain aren't going to be in exactly tip-top shape. I'm not saying it's okay that they are taking advantage of, but there are some people where it's like, okay, you know, I have. Let's just let's just do percentages. I have brain power at that's at a hundred percent. I have another person. Person A has a hundred percent brain power. Person B has a hundred percent brain power. Person B is a boxer, though, and they fight. And so they take repeated punches to the head over time. You know, say, say they're max in. They started, they started at age 10. Let's say person A and person B are 10 years old. Person B starts boxing at age 10. Person A does not do boxing. They do something else. They grow up. Person B is not going, their brain's not going to function the same. It's not going to function as well as it should and can so it's you know you know they just they can't think for themselves you know they can't really watch their money they can't watch what they're signing you know they struggle to read there's a video on the internet of Floyd Mayweather trying to read a book and it is absolutely it's really sad to see he's rich he's famous but that dude has he he's just had so much damage over the years he's just, he struggles to read. It's terrible. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Floyd just, you know, you know just he became one of those people who just stopped being able to speak. And Floyd is a very smart boxer. He's not a fighter, he's a he's a boxer. And he's very intelligent, you know, he's not going to knock he's not going to knock you out. He's, you know, he's patient and he's he's very gifted. He's very precise. He's very meticulous. 
Okay, so that's one of the best boxers in the world, you know, undefeated. But he's he has issues. You know, I just th- these things are unfortunate, but I I don't think boxing should be banned. You know, the these these they they voluntarily get into this. They have a chance at huge paydays. Even just even just losing, even if you lose, you still get it. You still get a huge purse. I mean, it, it it's incredible. You know, I talked about this with football. You know, you you go onto the field, and when you go onto the field, you know you're risking you're risking getting hit. If I if I have the ball and I'm running, I see a defender. The defender's objective is to hit me and put me on the ground to stop stop the forward progress of the ball. That's his objective. My object my objective as the ball carrier is to find a way to get around the defender and get closer towards the end zone. There's going to be physical contact. And in sports where physical contact is inevitable and the objective you're you're gonna you're gonna have a hard life afterwards. It's gonna happen. And there are many there are many cases that go you know there are many factors that go into it. But I'm telling you, just getting just getting bashed in the head and bashed in the you know the chin, the chest, the shoulder, all all those shots they add up just a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. And you know, when they train, you know, they can take more they can take more punches than the average Joe because they've been doing it for so long. But the body, the human body was not made to be a punching bag. The human body was not made to throw punches. There are things that we can do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it. You know, I, I hope, I hope the family's doing okay. You know, it's really, it's really, you know, that the son, you know, his dad's gone. His dad's gone. And he'll, you know, he'll never know, you know, okay, well, what, well, what now? Who, who, who knows what's going to happen? But should boxing be banned? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When I, I always talk about, you know, free will, it's one of the greatest gifts that God gave us. He gives the ability to pretty much we, we can choose whatever we want to do in this life. We can do that. We can choose our career. We can choose who we marry. We can choose who we have sex with. We can choose what we eat. We can choose where we live. We can choose how we live. We can choose to follow the law. We can choose not to follow the law. But whatever we do, there are benefits and drawbacks. There are, you know... There, there are things called consequences. And they do, you know, there is a negative connotation with that, but it just means outcomes. Consequences are outcomes. Okay, if I go into a store and I steal some bread because I'm hungry, okay, one, I could, okay, I can feed myself and feed my family, but I'm, you know, I just stole Okay, so I I could have gotten caught and, you know, I can get in legal trouble and all of those things. 
every single thing has, you know, has a consequence. You know, you know, I I was talking to my sister about this probably a few months back, and we were talking about uh, sports we would let our children play. And we talked about, you know, specifically, you know, our sons. I was like, okay. She was like, would you let your son, you know, would you let your son play football? And I would, and I, I really had to think about it. And to me, to me, if there's something that my, that my child wants to do and they're passionate about it, um, I'd probably, I would probably let them do it. But I would just sit down and discuss with them the consequences of what could happen, good and bad. And I think I think that's what's most important with these situations. You know, they talk about the you know they you know one of the arguments was about the kids, and you know it gives it gives kids the entirely wrong message. It's like okay, as parents and as adults, it's it's kind of it's part of our responsibility. To tell kids the, the what could happen with certain choices that they make. And then, you know, encourage, encourage the children to do research of their own as well. Because it's not your job to tell your kids everything. But, you know, it's your, you know, it's your job to train them, warn them, and do, and do the best that you can. Okay? So, so that's what I would say. I, boxing should not be banned. This isn't this is an unfortunate situation. Um, but he knew he knew the consequences. He knew what he was getting into. He knew the chances. Every single time you step into that ring, in 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 some part of their mind, they may admit it or they may not, they say, This this could be my last fight. I, I could die. I could just drop on the mat and die after I get hit one time. It go. They may say, "Oh, you know that go. That doesn't go through my, through my mind." It does, because that's human nature. Whenever we get ourselves into dangerous situations, which is what it is, our brains are telling us, "Okay, you know, uh, you know, you could die here. You could get hurt here." But he knew what could happen, and these, you know, these boxers, football players, UFC fighters. Um, you know, they, they understand the consequences. They, they understand and they do this stuff willingly. And so should boxing be banned? I'm going to say it one more time. Absolutely not. Now, this next story disgusts me. It, it absolutely disgusts me. I mean, this is. This is just, this is disgusting. Okay, so this is from CNN. And, and this, he, let me, let me just read this. Let me just read the headline. His lawyers want leniency, but the man who sent bombs to CNN and Democrats should get life behind bars, prosecutors say. This is by Julian Cummings, Holly Silverman, Holly Yan, and Evan Simcoe Bednarski. Hopefully I did not butcher that last name. Okay. So this was this was written 
on the 23rd. So there was this man, Caesar Sayak, the man who pleaded guilty to sending pipe bombs to CNN and prominent Democrats could face anywhere from 121 months to life in prison. Okay, so that, that's anywhere from 10 years plus a month to life. Okay, this, this is just, this is disgusting. This, this, this is a monster. This is someone who tried to bring physical harm to many people. His goal was to either maim them, hurt them, or kill them. And if you, let me just say this, if you don't know what a pipe bomb is, uh, it's, it's just what it sounds like. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a exploding device. It's improvised, but it pretty much takes, it pretty much takes pieces of, uh, pipe and it's filled with explosive material. And then it's like sealed with like metal and all of that. But you know, that's, that's what a pipe bomb is just in case you didn't know. Okay. Uh, here's the article again. And depending on which side you ask, the Florida man should either get the minimum or maximum punishment. Prosecutors in the Southern District of New York filed a request Monday asking a federal judge to sentence Sayok to life in prison. Sentencing is scheduled for September 12th. Sayok sent explosives through the mail over two weeks last October, sparking a nationwide manhunt. None of the devices detonated and no one was injured. Thank you, Lord. In March, Sayok pleaded guilty to 65 felony counts, including using weapons of mass destruction. His targets included former Presidents Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, Senators Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, and major Democratic donors like George Soros and Tom Steyer. Put simply, the defendant intended to silence through harm and fear with those with whom he disagreed, and now he must be incapacitated to protect the public and Promote respect for the rule of law, prosecutors wrote. But Syox attorneys asked for the minimum sentence of 121 months, saying a series of traumatic events pushed Cesar Sayok further and further into the margins of society. The attorney said Sayok was abandoned by his father, sexually molested, and suffered from an intellectual disability. You know, people say lawyers are disgusting people. But somebody's got to do the job. See, here's the problem. People, you know, people look at lawyers and they say, oh, you know, you're disgusting if you defend a killer or uh, a rapist or, you know, a, a, a molester or, or anything heinous. Okay, but someone has to do the job. Someone has to be objective. The goal of, a, you know, you're, you're trying to do what's best for your client, depending on whatever side you're on. You're trying to do best for, you know, the the state or you're trying to do what's bet or the entity, the entity or you're trying to do what's best for the client depending on which side you depending on which side you are okay but being abandoned by your dad being sexually molested and suffering from an intellectual disability is they are not excuses for trying to potentially kill people that is inexcusable that is inexcusable, it is unacceptable, it is disgraceful, it is abhorrent. There, there are no words strong enough for this. And it is, it is by the grace of God that none of these went off. 
This is it's just unacceptable. Here we go. A longtime Trump fan. In the defense's filing for leniency, attorneys said Sayak was a fan of Donald Trump before he ran for office, listening to his self-help books on tape. When Trump announced his run for office, Sayak began following politics and watching Fox News while at the gym. He began attending rallies and posting his political opinions on social media, where he found a sense of community that he had been missing for so many years, his attorneys said. They said Sayak grew paranoid, anxious, and isolated, latching onto Trump in the months before he sent the bombs. He conflated his personal situation with the perceived struggles of Trump supporters across the country, and even the president himself, the, fi- the filing reads. His paranoia bled into delusion, and Mr. Sayal came to believe that prominent Democrats were actively working to hurt him, other Trump supporters, and the country as a whole. The filing also said Sayal built devices designed to look like pipe bombs, as his mental state deteriorated and that he had no true grasp of the severity of his crimes. I'm sure he didn't. Letter to the judge. Sayoc wrote a letter to a federal judge in April that explained his obsession with Trump, saying that going to one of his rallies was like using a newfound drug. The letter read in part, the first thing you hear, the first thing you hear entering a Trump rally is we are not going to take it anymore, the forgotten ones, etc. He wrote in the letter that he listened to Trump's self-help CDs which he says reprogrammed his mind. Sayak also detailed his drug abuse, saying he was using steroids and supplements that contributed to his deteriorated mental state. I was the most scared. I was the most scared time in my life. Plus, I was using heavy amounts of steroids, 274 different supplement and vitamins. I lost my head. Steroids altered my growing anger. I made a bad choice taking them to help. I lost control of myself and mental state from them. Defense attorneys said in April that they had him psychologically evaluated and planned to submit two reports in connection with the sentencing. One report by a clinical psychiatrist and another one by a psychiatrist with specialized knowledge to explain how his steroid use likely affected his mental health. We believe that these two reports will provide the court with ample information about Mr. Syok's mental health, his attorney said. In a separate letter sent earlier in April, Syok said he never intended to harm anyone but built the bombs and built the bombs only to scare people. But prosecutors disputed that notion, citing Syok's use of glass shards, chlorine, and explosive powder in his bombs. There is no reason to pack fragmentation into an explosive device other than to maximize the likelihood that the bomb will cause injury, prosecutors wrote, which is true. He said he never intended to harm anyone and only built them to scare people. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You packed, okay, glass shards, chlorine, and explosive powder in his bombs. If you were just trying to scare people, all you would do, you'd have you'd have pipes attached to what appear to, appear to be detonators. And you would just put them in packages with, with nothing inside the pipes. That, that That's what you would do. You were trying to hurt if not kill these individuals. That is outrageous. That's disgusting. It is it is unacceptable. He should he should receive the maximum he sh- he should receive what is what should come to him.
he should receive the maximum amount of time in prison. You know, people talk about, you know, mental state and mental health and things like that. You know, he... You know... George... Or not George. Caesar knew that he wasn't baking cupcakes. Caesar was aware that he wasn't having sex. Caesar was aware that he was not, you know, pricking, you know, plucking flowers and frolicking in the forest. Like Sleeping Beauty. He knew that. He knew he wasn't dancing with animals. He knew, he knows what he was doing. All right? You know, his his lawyers, they got to do what they got to do. I, I totally understand that, you know. Um, but this, this is just disgusting. This is, this is outrageous. He tried to bring physical harm and potentially end the lives of people. Just because, just because he disagreed with them. You know, one, one of the great things about, about America is that we are able to disagree with each other. You know, you're you're able to think one thing. And yes, yes, there's some bias against right wingers and conservatives and things like that. But we can pretty much say, you know, we can pretty much share our experiences, share our feelings, share our thoughts, share our ideas, all sides, and you know, you know, we're not gonna you know, people aren't gonna be lynched or thrown off rooftops. That's one of the things that irritates me. Like I talked about oppression in a recent episode. No one in America is... We're not oppressed. You know, the whole LGBT community. You know, they talk... You know, they talk about, you know... You know, it can be emotional coming out and all of that. And it's hard. You know, they face such discrimination. And I really don't want to hear it. There are places in the Middle East... Where if you are homosexual or anything other than straight... Or even just being suspected of being something other than straight, you are thrown off a rooftop and you die. Thank God we live in America. This man is—he's just—he is despicable. That's not—that's not even a strong enough word. I can't—I can't think of a word in my vocabulary or the the English. Dictionary, the English language. I I, I can't think of a word more to 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 describe this individual. This despicable, just just outrageous man. I just this this is really disgusting. I myself, I'm a I'm a Trump supporter. Do I like every do I like everything he does? No, I don't. But to be, you know, I'm never going to try to bring physical harm to people who disagree with me politically. People are, people are going to think differently. That that's just that's just the way that's just the way the world works. If everyone just had one brain, the if everyone just had the exact same brain, in the exact same life experiences, in the exact same everything, you know, then we would, we would all think alike. And that's a terrible place to live. 
where where we all think the exact same thing. We'd all be at the same state all the time with no improvement. Okay? That's a terrible place to live. It's nice to be able to disagree. You can disagree, share your point, they share their point, and you move on. But but to try to bring harm, to try to bring physical harm to to individuals, that's just unacceptable. That that is unacceptable. I'm not a fan of Barack Obama's policies. I wasn't. I'm not a fan of him. You know, in his presidency, I think he was the coolest guy ever to be in office. Just cool wise, like if there was a guy that I could hang out with that had ever been president, it'd be it'd be. It'd be Barack Obama. Bill Clinton. Not a big fan of Bill Clinton. Cory Brooker. Kamala Harris. I'm not I'm not fans of them. But I would I wouldn't to but you know, if I ever had the privilege of meeting him, you know, I'd I'd love to talk to him and share my ideas and hear their ideas and you know, sit and discuss things. I think that'd be great. But to bring but to bring harm to people who just disagree with you is unacceptable. And it is it is disgusting. It is disgusting. I, I'm gonna follow this and I can't wait to see what this man gets. I pray justice is served. Je- I believe justice will be served. And man, it's just it, that just that just infuriates me, man. It just absolutely infuriates me to see things like that. You try you try to hurt people and kill people just because they disagree with you. They did not do anything to you. They did not do anything physical to you. They they did not hurt you or anything like that. Man, it's it's just it's sick. It's really sick. I can't wait for justice to be passed on to this individual. Have a nice day.